You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to America's Web Radio. Welcome to Billion Dollar Ballers, and uh, welcome back to some interesting sports stories. We we have to open this week uh, with what's going on with Mark Cuban. Um, really unfortunate seeing what's going on with him and. David, I know that you have some opinions on this as well, so if you'd like to just jump in and address this, uh, I think it's pretty horrible what we're seeing right now. Oh, I I couldn't agree with you more, Jack. And, uh, you know, being a Texan and being a very loyal American as well, uh, and spending a lot of time in Dallas in that area, and I, I can't believe that Dallas hadn't run that piece of garbage out on a rail he may be a multi-billionaire but figure it out if he's the kind of person that will not play the national anthem at the start of a game and he's then he's a communist as far as i'm concerned he's sure as hell not a texan and if i were dallas i'd be getting rid of him as far as i'm concerned i think he should lose his franchise uh, we are a country and we play the national anthem out of respect. Respect for a lot of things. I don't think Mark Cuban ever had the guts or the balls to be in the service. And yet we play the national anthem and salute the flag. It's a salute to all of our veterans and all of our past, present, and future veterans that serve to protect some piece of garbage like Cuban. And... As far as I'm concerned, yes, he could buy and sell me in a in a New York heartbeat. But he may have the money, but he, you know, and he has class. It just happens to be lower. And I can't believe anybody would, I can't believe Dallas would put up with him. And I'm all for him losing his franchise for what he did and, and some of the comments he's made. Hey, Cuban, if, if you don't like the United States... Why don't you move to Venezuela and go suck those people for a while? You know, it's get out of our country that has made you rich. And it's a shame that he has to have any kind of political power or anything else. And I can't imagine a good Texan ever, ever voting for a piece of garbage like Cuban. So that's my opinion. And... Uh, Anybody can have an opinion, and I hope they agree that not playing the national anthem is like not ringing the bell going to church. So, anyway, back to you, Jack. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I could not agree more on that point. I I think it's one of the crazier things we've probably ever seen in American sports. I mean, I never thought I'd see the day where, where an owner just decided not to play the national anthem. And, you know, you know it's bad when the NBA comes out the next day and, and makes a mandate saying that you have to. I mean, the NBA's got a, an interesting track record when it comes to some of that stuff. And uh, seeing them come out and just be like, no, I mean, you, you can't do that, that's when you know it's really bad. Um, so hey, thankfully no. they did step in and do that, but, I mean, this is just the first in a long line of things we've seen in sports lately. Um, of just some level of disrespect for... All, every, I mean, the veterans, like you were saying, David, and, and the troops, and and just the country as a whole, and our history, and 
it's disrespectful to so many different things. I mean, it, it started with kneeling, and, and now we're to a place where it seems like being a proud American and being a respectful American is considered un-American. Um, yeah, which is totally nuts. Totally nonsense. And you know, I mean, it really just, it's, it's upsetting to me, and I'm, I'm sure it's upsetting to a lot of you listening right now. I tell you um, what, I'd, so, I'd like to challenge everybody, everybody, no matter where you are, if it's appropriate to play the national anthem, and if you're a veteran, you have every right to salute, as I do, and if you're a citizen that's never served, then when you put your hand over your heart, I challenge you to look at our flag, listen to our national anthem, and I challenge you not to get goosebumps because you should be so proud to be an American that every time you look at the flag or listen to the national anthem or sing the national anthem, it should give you goosebumps that God lets you be born in this country or let you into this country to celebrate what it means to be an American. And if Cuban has no pride in our country, then get the hell out of our country, Cuban. Maybe he should go to his name. Go to Cuba. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. And I mean, I, I could go on and on and and rant about Mark Cuban all day, but the bottom line is there's one way to solve issues uh, with with losers like Mark Cuban and and that is that, just like you were saying, David, play that national anthem, stand proud. If you're at a sporting event and they're playing the national anthem, and for whatever reason the people around you aren't standing, I mean, that's that's nonsense too, but make sure you're standing with the hand over your heart or saluting if that's appropriate. And uh, i, I got to believe there's enough good Americans left that we can overwhelm this small group of people that are trying to threaten pretty much everything that we stand for, so... With that being said, we, uh, we're going to get on to some happier topics right now, but had to open up with that one. Uh, and we're going to move on um, to some post-Super Bowl coverage. Obviously, some crazy things went on at the Super Bowl, uh, one of the most interesting Super Bowls that I've ever seen. Uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers obviously won the game in, uh, in pretty dominating fashion. Uh, Tom Brady claimed his seventh Super Bowl ring. But as always, this is a, a sports business show, so we're going to take a little peek behind the scenes um, and what you may not have seen that were some of the biggest stories at the Super Bowl this year. So uh, starting off, we'll start off with viewership. Super Bowl viewership dropped to a multi-decade low. Uh, multi-decade low this year. However, it was the most streamed game ever. Um, which very interesting. Uh, there were around 91.6 million viewers on CBS. Uh, it seems, seems like a lot, but the Super Bowl does average uh, a lot of viewers. I mean, it's always the most watched show of the year. Um, that being said, the 91.6 million viewers was an 8% drop from what Fox had last year. Uh, it was the smallest network audience since 2006, which is pretty wild because you think about the amount of people now that have access to watch this sh this uh, Super Bowl as compared to 2006, which was like a totally different era of cable and television. Uh, it's really interesting how much it dropped. Um, 
That being said, on the digital curve, it was the most live-streamed in history, averaging 5.7 million viewers per minute, uh, which is up 70% from 2020. So, so we can really see the shift here to streaming, and that's becoming the new wave. Now, obviously, one of the biggest issues that's going to come with that is the illegal streaming that was happening. Um, really hard to get figures for that, but uh, I saw a couple different reports that were saying that it was one of the most illegally streamed uh, events of all time. So, I, personally, I, I'm not that involved in the tech world, but I don't understand how you can stop people from that, because it seems like there are infinite amounts of ways to illegally watch a game now. I mean, all you got to do is Google, how do I watch the Super Bowl for free, and you'll get 10 links to watch it for free. So, I think that's going to be a big challenge for a lot of these leagues moving forward. But, uh, very clearly, streaming is the way of the future. Um, so many, I mean, Dawes and Fubo TV, NFL's Got Some Network, Disney Plus, all of these streaming services, uh, they're going to be dominating the future, and cable seems to be somewhat on the way out. Um, interesting stuff. Uh, another crazy development uh, in the in the world of streaming is. Uh, the NFL, as, as we can recall, is looking to update its media rights this year. Uh, they're looking to finalize it, their media rights for March. Uh, so they're also shifting gears on that front. Uh, the 2021 salary cap figure, which was $198 million per team last year, is scheduled to come out in March. And the NFL wants to have its broadcasting deals set beforehand, very logically, because a lot of that salary cap comes from the TV money, or the streaming money now, I suppose. Um, updates on that front. Fox and CBS will keep Sunday afternoon games, and NBC will hold its Sunday night football package. ESPN Plus is being considered to take over DirecTV's Sunday ticket package. Uh, personally, I think that would be great. Um, Sunday ticket's pretty awesome. If, if you've never watched Sunday ticket, it is a DirecTV feature. Basically, let you watch all the games if you want. You've got Red Zone, Fan Zone, Fantasy Zone, so many different ways to watch all the games. And um, it seems like everything's being looped into ESPN Plus. I'm pretty sure that their latest bundle has ESPN Plus, Disney Plus, uh, National Geographic, and like Hulu Live. So if they get Jack TV, they're really starting to, to monopolize the streaming industry. And it'll be interesting to see if they get that. Uh, speaking of monopolizing the streaming industry, Disney is also expressing interest in being part of the Super Bowl rotation. Uh, that would be a wild development. It's been many years now that Fox and CBS go every other year for the Super Bowl, so uh, we'll see what happens on that front. Uh, it's also been speculated that Amazon, who already has the Thursday night streaming rights, uh, will be taking over for Fox with the broadcasting rights as that deal ends in 2023. Obviously, major implications for the sport, the salary cap, uh, the future of streaming and television, all wrapped up in these new deals. So we're going to keep following them extremely closely. One of the biggest sport business stories in the world right now. Uh, the rumor is that the new agreements could reach $100 billion for 10 years, $98 billion for 7 years, or $96 billion for 8 years. A lot of money changing hands here. Uh, should be very, very interesting to follow. 
Uh, remember, this comes on the heels of last year's 10-year labor agreement with the NFLPA Players Association that will include more postseason games along with a 17-game regular season schedule. Uh, so they're going to add more content starting next year. There's extra games. Don't forget that. So extra games, extra money, hopefully making up retroactively for everything they've lost during COVID. Um, we've got a great show today. I'll, I'll give you a little heads up of what we got coming. Uh, we obviously just talked about the Super Bowl. Very interesting sport business stories there. And a little bit about the NFL and their evolution moving forward. Uh, what we're going to talk about next is uh, sports gambling. I know we talked about it last week. Big stories keep on pumping out of the sports gambling space. And I'm sure a lot of people bet on the Super Bowl, so we'll talk about that a little bit too. Uh, things are changing quickly. And then we're also going to talk about college athletics and their post-pandemic life. How post-pandemic college athletics are going to adapt. What's going to be different? What's going to be better? What will be worse? Uh, we'll kind of take a, a broad view on that and look at college athletics as a whole because a lot has changed. And then uh, finally, the lightning round to end it up. So I know we started on a, a bit of a somber mood, but had to be done and uh we're gonna have a fun show today so stick around uh you're listening to america's web radio and billion dollar ballers we'll be right back after a short break when someone gives an answer it is either in response to a question or a command to respond and those who might be into grammar would either term it a noun or a verb in mathematics an answer is the solution to a problem and problems are plentiful who do you turn to for answers The Lord is near to all who call on him, said the psalmist, and God invites you as he says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you don't know. Our problem is that we search for answers in all the wrong places. We would do well to remember that God cares and he hears our hurts. To prove it, he said, I'll answer while you're still speaking and I will hear. What problem do you have today? What answer do you seek? Who do you turn to for solutions? God has the answers. He is the answer. This is John Bryan bringing you today's keyword. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctor's conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. Let's talk some sports gambling. I hope people had a good weekend. It was a pretty successful weekend for sports gambling as a whole. 
Uh, specifically, if you were in one of the states that recently legalized sports gambling, uh, there were a few hiccups, however. Tech issues kept a lot of bettors from placing Super Bowl wagers. Uh, I was one of those bettors, unfortunately. Uh, users of multiple popular sports betting apps were unable to place wagers as the kickoff approached last Sunday. Uh, FanDuel had outages in Michigan and Illinois. DraftKings, Penn National, uh, which is gaming, uh, which is Barstool Sportsbooks gaming platform, and BetRivers appeared to have suffered widespread issues that continued well into the game. Uh, DraftKings spokesperson, a DraftKings spokesperson, put out the message: "Quote: We are un- we are aware that customers were unable to access our mobile and online sportsbook. It appears this outage was caused by a surge in traffic." that caused problems for our back-end partner. Uh, our DFS pools product, supported by in-house technology, are functioning without issue. This incident is why we believe owning our own technology is important. Uh, end quote. Obviously, a, a huge problem. Uh, neither DraftKings nor Penn National named the exact source of their issue, uh, but a person with knowledge of the situation... <laughs> did tell front office sports that international betting technology firm Canby had technical difficulties Sunday. Uh, obviously, a big, big problem for one of the first big sports betting weekends for a lot of individuals. Um, I don't think it'll affect them long term, but I know that a lot of these companies did give out refunds, they did give out free bets, they, they tried everything they could to make up for it, which was great to see uh, the bigger problem, though, is that they may have lost out on millions of dollars. Um, I mean, there's a reason that they say the house always wins, and it's because the house generally does always win. So any time that people can't bet, yeah, it, it's it sucks for the people, um, but it sucks more for the for the betting companies because they're most likely going to be taking that money. Uh, not to mention all the free money that they were giving away when they had to refund and and give all these free bets. So. A lot of people were outraged about that, um, but I don't expect it to slow down sports gambling. I mean, betting is legal in 21 United States uh, states right now, seven more than at the time of last year's Super Bowl, uh, and, a, and a record 7.6 million bets were placed on online sports books for the Super Bowl, which is 63% more than in 2020. Um, so gambling is going strong. That is a small pickup. Uh, a few more gambling stories from the weekend. Mattress Mac, if you'll remember, we talked about him last weekend. Uh, the Houston furniture store owner. Uh, he finally won a big one. He cashed in $3.46 million on his Super Bowl bet. Uh, he was betting on the Buccaneers, obviously. Uh, that's a whole lot of money from gambling. It's one of the biggest Super Bowl bets ever. Um, and if you'll remember... Uh, he takes his bets because he covers promotions at his gallery furniture franchises in Houston. Uh, so he takes these giant bets, um, and and they go match a promotion. This year's was a rebate on mattresses of $3,000 or more if the Bucks win the Super Bowl. Uh, now, obviously, he had big liability, but he did cover more than he'll have to pay back to his customers. So he's obviously very excited Everyone wins in this scenario. He's going to get to pay back all of his 
customers, and he'll get to pocket a little cash, uh, which is great because he did lose $13 million uh, by betting on the Houston Astros to win the World Series in 2019. So he was due for a win, uh, due for a big win. Uh, Don't forget, though, that he did start doing this in 2017. when he bet roughly $10 million that the Astros would win the World Series, and they did. So, interesting uh, business tactic here. Um, seems to be working. I mean, in the years that he's lost, uh, lost his bet, he hasn't had to pay out, and it's actually worked out. In the years that he's won his bet, especially this year, uh, the odds were so that he won more money than he actually needed to to cover. So, really, really cool concept, really, really cool promotion. Um, and great to see some ingenuity from a small business owner. Um, wow. This, this next story is pretty crazy. Uh, we're moving on to this guy, Yuri Andrade. Now, uh, Yuri Andrade was the guy that you may have seen if you watched the big game, running around at the end of the game with a giant pink leotard on, uh, I mean, a pretty crazy sight. Uh, actually, uh, did better than the entire Chiefs team. He, was, he, got, he actually got into the end zone, unlike the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, but if you're wondering how this relates to betting, Yuri Andrade made $374,000 on a bet uh, after betting on a sports book that he would streak during Sunday's game. Um. He put down a $50,000 prop bet at plus 750 that there would be a streaker at the Super Bowl. Cost him $1,000 to get out of jail afterwards. So he cleared $374,000 on the bet. That's absolute nonsense. That's, that's insane. I mean, that's one of the craziest stories that I've heard ever. Uh, kudos to him for some ingenuity, but I would have to guess but they're going to stop doing those prop bets because you're just going to have to, you're going to start having so many people streaking it. I mean, hell, if, if I knew I could run on a, on a field, if I knew that I could run on the field at the Super Bowl, bet 50000 on myself and, and get paid out 375 I'd buy a ticket to the Super Bowl, cover my cost, and I'd run on the field, and, and hopefully the police wouldn't tackle me too hard or... Uh, I mean, even though, even though they probably should, hopefully, hopefully I'm all right on the other end, and and I've got three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars to my name. Um, I mean, wild, wild story there, um, and it does point to a bigger issue with the gambling world right now, and that is that there are so many individual little prop bets that you can put put bets on right now. There's so many different things happening um, that. It's going to have to go through a big process of adapting. I mean, there's a good chance that a lot of these bets uh, have potential to get messed with and to get worked over, and there's all these little angles, and there's a lot of people making money in sports gambling right now because of it. Um, so I'm sure over time things will change slightly, but clearly right now uh, people are finding some loopholes. Uh, moving on, we'll talk about BetMGM now. Um MGM has announced that they're heavily prioritizing sports betting amid the pandemic. Um, if you saw their advertisings during the Super Bowl, 
Jamie Foxx is the spokesperson uh, for MGM. Uh, obviously, a high dollar spokesperson there. Um, and, and the reason MGM is leaning in to bet MGM, their sports betting and eye gaming division, is that they were crushed by COVID's effects on the hospitality and tourism industry. Uh, they reported losses of $448 million, with revenue down 53% year over year uh, to $1.5 billion. Uh, they have a joint venture with UK based gaming company. MTAIN, uh, which recently rejected an $11 billion takeover bid from MGM. Uh, their revenue has increased year-over-year year on their sports betting online, and it has increased 130%. That's incredible. Uh, it launched in Virginia, Michigan, and Iowa last month. It's been live in New Jersey since 2008. Um, for reference, New Jersey handled $6 billion in sports bets in 2020, uh, that's more than Nevada's $4.3 billion handle, which was the lowest total in that state since 2015. <laughs> so, that uh, MGM did gain significant market share throughout 2020, successfully launched in seven new states, and they expect to mean 20 markets by the end of the year. We've talked about a lot of different sports gambling methods on this site, on this show. Talk FanDuel, DraftKings, Penn National... William Hill, we haven't talked a lot about MGM. Uh, Vegas is not going away anytime soon. Just because you might not be in Vegas, Vegas is starting to come to you. Uh, a little bit of a scary thought there, but it's the truth. So um, look out for maybe some other casinos. I saw that Wynn uh, had, some, had some kind of online gambling thing. Vegas is going to try to get into the space in any way that they can. they got to preserve and expand on their, their current market share. Um, so, uh, yeah, just keep an eye out for casinos jumping in on this trend. Um, with that being said, uh, I'll jump a little bit into our next topic because it will be a long segment to tell you what's going to come up. We're going to talk college athletics, and it's going to be a little bit different of a talk than we normally have on this show. Uh, I'm not anticipating focusing on just football or just basketball or anything else like that. We're going to look at college athletics as a whole. Uh, college athletics as a whole have been completely transformed by COVID. We talked about it at the beginning of this show uh, many months ago a lot. Uh, we talked about how COVID had the potential to change college athletics forever. And it really has. Um, but potentially in some of the ways that you might not think. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, we're then going to jump into a conference tournament update, uh, as we were talking about before. A lot of concerns on that front. Um, so a lot to talk about when it comes to college athletics. And obviously, um, as always, when we talk about college athletics, we'll talk about NIL, that's name, image, and likeness, uh, because there is a lot changing on that front. Um, potential for money to be made, uh, some obstacles, some hurdles, uh, but I think eventually these, uh, these places are going to figure out how to take control of it um, and how to, re- how to really, I mean, we know this, college athletics are going to find a way to make the most money that they possibly can. Not only does it support the athletics, it supports the school as well. So if there's a will to make money, there's a way to make money, and college athletics will find that will and that way. 
Um, so with that being said, we're going to head to another quick break now and then uh, come back with some discussion of college athletics. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about anti-car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, consider J.C. Taylor Insurance. I've been our my insurer for years in this hobby and have the top rating of every, all of the insurance companies in the hobby. When you get ready for insurance, call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com on the Internet. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. Listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. All right, everybody, welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. Let's talk a little bit about the changing atmosphere of college athletics. And you know what? Why don't we start with one of the craziest stories that I've heard lately, and that's this transgender movement in really athletics as a whole, uh, all the way from middle school, high school kids, all the way up to the professional leagues. Uh, and, and that's, they're starting to allow, and they're starting to promote transgender individuals playing in women's sports. So keep in mind, this means a biological male who has decided they're a woman is now playing in female sports. What does that mean for athletics as a whole? Well, I'll tell you what it means. It means you're going to have a lot of biological males dominating women's sports. Now, I'm sure that the intention of doing this is because they want like trans rights and women's rights, and they want everyone to have all these rights and liberties. I agree. I mean, I don't look down on anybody for who they are. That's not what I'm saying with this. If you're a transgender person, uh, you, you have rights. Don't, don't get me wrong. This is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, by allowing a biological male to compete in women's athletics, what you're doing is, is you're forcing women out of, out of their own sports. Uh, you're taking away women's rights. Unnecessarily. Uh, like, and it's going to have a fallout. What's going to end up happening is, these college athletic programs 
are going to see, hey, I can get some great press from the liberal media. Uh, I can get news stories about how I'm recruiting trans people and how great that is and you know, all these different things. And they're going to get biological males playing on their women's sports teams. They're going to be better. I mean, look at track and field. Uh, in many cases, most of the state records in women's track and field are starting to be taken over by trans women, biological males. They're biologically different. The men's 100-meter world record is significantly faster than the women's 100-meter world record. They're just, I mean, men and women are just built differently. That's why we have men and women's sports. And now women are going to be forced out of all of their own sports. They're going to lose scholarships. They're going to lose opportunities to go to incredible colleges to somebody who's not even a real woman. I don't, I'm sure people have different opinions on this, but don't be surprised if you start seeing uh, colleges where five, uh, three out of their starting five on their women's basketball team are trans women who just happen to be 6'11", 7 feet tall, because they're biological males. That's, that's what's going to happen. So obviously we all know it's coming from the top, um, not a piece of policy that I'm very fond of, but it does have the potential to change college athletics and youth athletics for a long time to come. Um, pretty, gross, uh, pretty gross change in policy, if you ask me. But uh, let's move on to some more things that are changing college athletics. Uh, one thing that I want to talk about, the college stadium's role in vaccine distribution. Um, so college sports venues are providing large, accessible centers to facilitate uh, the final steps in COVID-19 vaccine supply. Um, communities are finally receiving all of the vaccinations they need and college stadiums are playing a major role in that. Um, one of the bigger issues, though, is when will these uh, athletic programs be able to come back to full strength after doing this? I mean, definitely a health risk if you've got a bunch of people getting brought in to get vaccinated for COVID. Um, and, and one of the more interesting cases... Uh, my brother, my younger brother, attends UMass Lowell right now. He's a D1 lacrosse player there. And their field house was actually a field hospital for COVID. Uh, so they had hundreds, I don't maybe even thousands of COVID patients in there. Um, and he was all set to play his first Division I uh, college lacrosse game of the season this 20th. And, and out of nowhere, his season suspended. Again. It's going to be two years now that it's been suspended. I mean, it's getting to a point now where some of it makes no sense to me. College basketball is going full steam ahead. They went right ahead with college football. You're canceling a whole lacrosse season? Now we know why. It's because college basketball and college football drive the revenue. There's no other difference between the two games. It's it's just sad for me to see that sports are going, certain collegiate sports are going by the wayside um, when the athletic departments as a whole are trying to help with COVID. Reward them for trying to, to help the community. I mean, they're doing their fair share. Uh, why don't you let them play? 
come on, Massachusetts. I mean, be better. So that's just some beef I'm having with the NCAA right now. But why don't we move on to some NIL, National uh, Name, Image, and Likeness stuff. Uh, and let's talk Florida. Because on July 1st, Florida is set to become the first state with an active law allowing athletes to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. Uh, although Congress may eventually pass federal legislation governing, governing the NIL, uh, the NCAA recently postponed voting on its own rules. This means that states can pass NIL bills that for now remain, remain unchallenged by federal lawmakers or the NCAA. But uh, as we see with Florida's situation, these schools can find themselves facing logistical nightmares. Uh, the Florida law is similar to many other state and federal bills, but requires a few extra restrictions. Uh, for example, athletes can't sign deals with any companies that would compete with their athletic department, and they can't enter an NIL deal with an athletic department in exchange for claims. Um, so that state law takes effect in July 2021. Uh, and it's interesting because that's going to give Florida schools some major recruiting advantage over other programs. Um, I mean, put it this way, if the local pizza parlor says that you get $100,000 if you come eat a pizza at our restaurant uh, and we can publicize it, obviously that would be a big incentive for a player. Um, And that's going to be $100,000 more in their pocket if they go to the University of Florida instead of, like, Stanford or anywhere else. Um, But what's more is that athletes at these Florida schools could still lose NCAA eligibility if they participate in these deals, as the bylaws still say athletes can't make money off their NIL. So it's a whole mess down there in Florida. We don't really know how it's going to resolve itself. Um, It's a whole mess where it seems like there's going to need to be some clarity on this, because right now the Florida law is superseding federal and NCAA, and and we don't really know what's going to happen, and are they going to use it for recruiting? I don't know. It's a big, big mess. Even I can't quite wrap my head around it. I'm sure there will be some legislature coming out um, that explains what's going on. But uh, dominoes are starting to fall in the NIL sphere. Uh, Great to see. As always, we want players to make some money off their name, image, and likeness. Um, Let's close out this, uh, this talk with the second half of our segment, focusing on football, college football, and how that has changed and how it has saved collegiate athletics. Uh, The NCAA lost more than $600 million in revenue during the 2019-20 fiscal year. But for individual FBS athletic departments, football was such a cash cow in 2019 that it kept department finances afloat despite three months of a pandemic-induced shutdown. The extent of losses to FBS programs is not going to appear until next year when financial statements reflect the impact of that football season. But for a few examples, not only did some schools avoid significant losses, but some even profited. Ohio State boasted record revenue in 2019-20, breaking in $223.9 million in total revenue. For reference, that's $20 million more than the previous year. That would top revenue for every single Division I public program in 1819. 
University of Texas Austin made two hundred point eight million in nineteen twenty and notched twenty two million in profit despite making about twenty three million dollars less in revenue than the previous fiscal year. However, the athletic department still laid off staff and cut costs before the twenty twenty football season. Smaller programs also came out with minimal damage. For example, Colorado State which said it suffered more than a million dollars in pandemic losses, still earned $56 million. That's about the same revenue as in 2018-19. So what's the takeaway from all this? Well, the takeaway from all this is that football is such a driver of revenue that it can even overcome a pandemic. It can overcome... That's crazy. I mean, we talked about this. We talked about how the only thing that could save college athletics is football and basketball. Seems like football might have been able to do it all on its own. Uh, losses weren't as dire as predicted. I mean, yes, there was massive fallout in athletic departments. We had athletic teams cut. We had athletic departments cut as a whole. We had major, major issues. But it seems like football and the decision to have a football season, which was obviously a no-brainer. I said that from the beginning, but... The decision to have a football season managed to absolutely save some college programs, and in some cases, make programs money, uh, which is almost incomprehensible in a time like COVID. Um, just very happy uh, that to see that, to see programs coming out on the other side uh, a little bit for the better. Uh, not sure that it's necessarily something that. I expected to see, but if I had to guess or if I had to speculate as to how this happened, um, we know that football always drives revenue, but now especially, uh, they have more viewers. They had more, way more viewers, uh, and they did make staff cuts. They did try to conserve their money. And as you know, when you throw yourself on a budget, when you're trying consciously to save yourself money, Normally, you're going to be successful at that. So, um, hopefully, they learned a few things. Maybe they learned where they can cut some corners, learned where they don't need to spend. Because um, for all intents and purposes, it was a very successful college football season, outside of, obviously, the delays because of COVID and the missed games because of COVID. Uh, a lot of good happened this year when it comes to college football. Um, so... That'll, that'll finalize our coverage of, uh, of the college football and, and the changing atmosphere uh, in college athletics. So uh, let's take it to one short break, and when we get back, we're going to go into the lightning round. We have a lot to discuss this week and a little bit of spillover from this college segment as well. Um, we'll talk about the college basketball conference tournaments. But like I said, let's take it to a short break. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. 
Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. And want to tell everybody, tomorrow on the Classic Car Show, we're going to be talking Ford Model A's with the Executive Director of the Model A Club of America, Mr. Tuesdale. And it should be one heck of a show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber in here questioning about Model A's. So we'll be back with Jack right after a couple more messages. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. All right, everybody, welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers, and welcome back to the Lightning Round, where we cover as many sports business topics as we can within one segment to make sure that you, the listeners, are as informed as you can be in sports business. Um, We're going to start off with a little spillover from the last segment. We're going to talk about college basketball conference tournaments. Um, We've mentioned them before on the show. Some issues, some concerns, uh, a lot of teams saying that they may not want to play in these tournaments. Now, there's two schools of thought. There's teams that are already locked into the NCAA tournament and don't see the need to play the, the uh, conference tournaments because uh, they can't really benefit from those. Um, and then there's teams that uh, already are eliminated decisively, no matter how they play in their conference tournaments, and they don't see the need. So the only teams that really are pushing through the conference tournaments are the teams that need to play in them to determine if they will be in the tournament or not. Um, so, one of the teams that's being asked about it is Gonzaga, uh, a likely one seed. The Bulldogs do remain undefeated right now. They've been a top-ranked team all season. Uh, so they're shooing for a top seed in, in the NCAA tournament, no matter what happens in the conference tournament. So he's being asked by reporters... Uh, that is Mark Few, Gonzaga's head coach, if it makes any sense for Gonzaga to compete in its conference tournament. Uh, And his response was that they're just waiting to see what's going on, what the best thing is for the league, so they're going to see how it goes. It's a dangerous time for college basketball conference tournaments because I don't really think there's anything that's stopping these teams from just saying we're not playing. Now, what are you going to do? You can't keep Gonzaga out of the tournament. You can barely keep him out of a one seed. Uh, so it'll be interesting to track if teams do do that willingly. And then if enough teams do decide to sit out conference tournaments willingly, can you have the conference tournament? It's obviously a big revenue driver for the for the schools and, and for the league as a whole. Um, so what's going to happen there if teams decide to sit out? You want to run the tournament? Are you going to let teams that uh, are you going to just do a, a smaller version of the tournament? What if only four teams or two teams are remaining? Are you still going to make revenue from that? Uh, a lot of questions to be had here. In my personal opinion, I think all these teams should buck up and play in their conference tournament. 
we haven't said it bluntly, but the reason they don't want to do this is because of a COVID issue. Well, we've, we've got to learn to live with this. It's been here for months. Sports have been happening. The NBA happens. The NBA is currently happening. You've had your whole regular season. Play in your damn conference tournament. Make money for the conference that supports you. A lot of people may not know this, but a conference for most schools is the reason they make money. There's only a handful of examples of schools who can thrive on their own. One being Notre Dame, but they're the biggest brand in college athletics. But most of these schools, you take them, you take Gonzaga out of their conference, they're not getting a national television audience. They don't have that kind of, that kind of power to, or draw or alumni network for that matter. You're not going to see Gonzaga or hear about them, uh, very likely for years on end if they're not in their conference. So I, I think these teams need to get over it and play in the conference tournament. We'll see what ends up happening. But it is the lightning round. we got to move on. Tokyo Olympics president stepping down. His name is Yoshiro Mori, and he is stepping down as president of Japan's Olympic Committee in response to backlash from recent sexist comments. Um, it is still unclear if the Tokyo Olympics obviously originally scheduled for 2020, will still be going on. Uh, when answering a question on the Olympic Committee's goal of increasing female membership to 40%, Maury said, you have to regulate speaking time to some extent or else we'll never be able to finish. Women have a strong sense of competition. One person raises their hand. Others probably think, I need to say something too. That's why everyone speaks. <laughs> For the life of me, I can't figure out what was sexist in what he said. Um, but he is stepping down. Again, I think continuing the trend um, of this kind of attitude in America right now that anything you say is sexist or racist or discriminatory. I mean, all he said was, and he's a part of the Olympic Committee that had a goal of increasing female membership. All he said was, that you need to regulate your speaking time or the show won't be able to go on. And what he really was saying, if you read into his words and understand the business is, the men are making us more money. We need to make sure that we, that we allow the people who are making us more money to speak. So I'm all for women's sports. I think women's sports are great. But the fact is right now that they're not making as much money as the men's sports. Now someone's going to pull up some little statistic about the women's national soccer team in the United States and, and how they make more than the men's team because there's so much. Yes, you're right. You picked one example out of thousands of sports across the world, and you picked one team at that. I can promise you that women's soccer worldwide is not making more than men's soccer. So don't give me that example. It's just the fact is that men's sports right now draw a larger audience and are making more money. That's what he was saying. I cannot believe that he stepped down. Can't believe he got backlash for that. Um, we'll see if the Olympics even happens. I just wanted to cover the story because I, I was shocked uh, at what I was seeing. But um, I guess that's just the way that everything's going right now. Let's talk about NFL Reels account. Uh, the NFL Reels account uh, on TikTok uh, has been the most viewed league account among major U.S. sports. It just surpassed a billion views. 
uh, sorry, sorry, that's not on TikTok. That's on Facebook. Uh, I mean, uh, Instagram Reels. Uh, competitor to TikTok, pretty similar. They also do have a very large. Um, they do have a very large TikTok account as well. Um, again, just showing how a lot of these leagues are continuing to expand into various types of media, finding different different ways to make money. Um, to make money in these different spaces, uh, TikTok, Instagram Reels, obviously have been some crazy technology that's been allowing a lot of different people, individuals, uh, to profit. It seems like professional sports leagues are one of the first businesses that's truly been able um, to get a grip on this technology. If you if you're on Instagram Reels or if you're on TikTok at all, what you'll notice is there are a lot of company accounts that have sponsored pages that they run little advertisements and they do decently well, but, but they're advertisements. What the NFL is doing, which is a very smart strategy, is just putting out fast-paced, fun, highlight-driven content. And they're, they're doing this because they know you don't want to watch an advertising. And it's working. Over a billion views. Great job by the NFL there. Quick eSports update. Big money in mobile video games. Uh, since the success of its Farmville franchise, developer Zynga has emerged as a leader in the mobile gaming industry. Zynga totaled $616 million in fourth quarter revenue, up 52% over the prior year, a company record, and they project a revenue of $2.6 billion for 2021. Uh, other powerhouses, including EA Sports, uh, Electronic Arches, Sports Division, Glue Mobile, uh, they're both raising billions of dollars and making mil- hundreds of millions or billions in revenue. Uh, seems like mobile gaming is joining in on the esports craze. Uh, Daytona 500 coming up. Uh, Sunday will mark the 63rd race in the event's history. Only 30% of the speedway will be filled due to social distancing. Uh, it's a Valentine's Day race. Uh, it's got more riding on the line than prize money. Health screening, temperature checks, and face masks are all part of the race and what could be a model for future sporting events. Uh, it will be the largest sporting event that has happened in the United States since COVID hit. Um, so 63rd year of the Daytona, 30,000 spectators. I really hope it goes off without a hitch uh, because if it does go out without a hitch, it will be a very, very good thing for professional sports as a whole. We might start to see stadiums filling up a little bit more as things go on. Now, I hope people don't think I've been too critical of women's athletics today. I've actually been trying to prop up women's athletics today. I think they deserve to compete without biological males in their field. And I do understand the importance of women's athletics in the Olympics. I love women's athletics. It's just I don't think that the Olympic Committee guy was being sexist. But here's a very positive story for women's athletics. Nike and NFL are funding a girls' flag football league. Uh, the NFL and Nike are participating and partnering to boost participation in a less physical version of football, and they hope to bring in a new pool of potential players, offering donations of up to $100,000 in product to state athletic associations to provide or pilot girls' flag football programs. I think this is a good alternative to trying to push women in the NFL. If we learned anything from that Vanderbilt kicker, there was a female. Uh, I don't 
think that women are quite there yet when it comes to playing at the NFL level, uh, professional American football. But flag football offers a great alternative. Um, potentially in the future, we'd see a professional women's flag football league. That would certainly be great to see. Uh, love to see that. Over a million U.S. high school boys played tackle football in the 2018-19 school year, uh, and only 11,000 girls suited up for flag football the same year. Maybe we can go into some grow interest in the sport. I mean, certainly down the line, you could see that benefiting the NFL's viewership um, and and maybe viewership of a new flag football league for women. So, great to see there as well. Uh, I think we only got time for one more, so why don't we talk about black-owned private equity firm. Um, I don't know why I said black-owned. Who cares? That's just <laughs> what, I, what the original story said. Um, there is a private equity firm offering opportunity for athletes. Uh, Theo Ratliff and Corlex Capital are putting together a fund to franchise restaurants. Um, the reason I'm bringing it up, what I think it's interesting about it is they're focused on getting pro athletes involved uh, in the new initiative. Uh, pro athletes historically have always uh, been likely to own restaurants post their career, uh, football career. So, um Great idea here about this private equity firm, and great to see that they're jumping on that trend of athletes owning restaurants and hopefully helping them to support uh, these restaurants and make smart investments. Um, as we know, athletes tend to have a history of not making the smartest investments. So that has been the lightning round. It's been an amazing lightning round. It's been an amazing show today. A lot of great things to talk about. Uh, Happy Valentine's Day for those of you celebrating, and happy Daytona 500 Day for those of you celebrating. Uh, hope it's a great weekend, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back here, as always, next week, uh, Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, this has been Billion Dollar Ballers on America's Web Radio. I'm Jack Christie signing off. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.